0: Visit myflexlearning.com backslash B-E to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash B-E. This is Dr. Karen, and this is the Are They 18 Yet? podcast, where I help parents raise independent, self-sufficient kids without sacrificing their own identity and sense of purpose. I'm here to share practical day-to-day solutions for raising kind, successful, well-adjusted human beings, and actionable advice for supporting systemic changes, so we can make this world a more inclusive, accepting place, now and for future generations. Hey there, it's Dr. Karen and welcome to episode 46 of the Are They 18 Yet? podcast. In this episode, I am going to be doing a part two of the discussion on language processing and some of the skills that can impact it. Since this is such a popular topic among my audience and because it can be such a powerful skill in helping kids to build the comprehension skills that they need in order to do a lot of academic skills, as well as just communicate their needs and succeed across a number of different environments like school, work, beyond school, and all sorts of things. Can also make a huge impact if you have noticed that you have a child who is struggling in different environments just functionally. Like you ask them to do something and they kind of look at you like they're not really sure what you said or you ask them a question and they're not really giving you what you asked So those types of things. I'll go briefly through the red flags again, but then I wanted to dive into one of the common difficult sentence types that does tend to be an issue for kids with language processing issues, just so that you can have an awareness of why kids might be struggling in certain situations. Now, the information that I'm going to share today is taken directly out of my ultimate guide to sentence structure. This is a free guide that I offer on my website that walks through the challenging sentence types that often cause language processing issues. Oftentimes, these are some of the key culprits when you have a child who is not really understanding language and just having a hard time maybe in school they're learning comprehension strategies and they're not responding. A lot of times these are the key culprits and this is something that people commonly overlook. So this ultimate guide to sentence structure outlines exactly why syntax and sentence structure has such a huge impact on comprehension and then highlights some key sentence types that tend to be difficult and then I also talk about some ways that you can work on some of these sentence types. So to download that guide, you can actually grab that on my website, my speech pathology site. It's drkarenspeech.com. You can actually sign up for it right on that main page. And again, I did create this guide with speech pathologists in mind because they often work on this kind of thing in therapy. And I do mention some things that, SLPs have to do like writing goals for language therapy, but I have had some teachers and parents download the guide as well and say that they found it really useful, whether it be because they used it to work with a student or their own child or whether they shared it with their speech pathologist. So again, you can grab that at drkarenspeech.com. And like I said, I am going to be covering the information in chapter four of that guide today in this episode. But if you want more information, you can go and get the whole thing on my website, drkarenspeech.com. Now, in the previous episodes leading up to this, specifically episodes 44 and 45, I talk about how the elements of vocabulary can have a big impact on our comprehension skills because a lot of times if people aren't getting the big picture of what they're hearing or reading, it's because they're having a hard time processing one word or one sentence at a time. And that all ties back to vocabulary. And syntax is a part of vocabulary because it's not just about what words mean, but it's also about what words do. And the way that sentences are put together, all of the words have different functions. There's the content words like the nouns, the verbs, and the adjectives, but then there's also the connecting words like the conjunctions and the prepositions. So when you have someone who doesn't quite understand how all of that works and how a sentence is put together, as well as what words mean in the sentence, it can be really hard for them to even process one sentence at a time, let alone try to understand a really long message or a paragraph that they've read or a paragraph that they've listened to, a story that they might have listened to, or something to that effect. So that's why this is so powerful, and a lot of times people think, oh, my students are struggling with comprehension, I should be working on comprehension, I should be reading and asking them what the main idea is. And Yes, all of that kind of work has a place, but if you have someone who doesn't understand the foundation and doesn't have the basics, then a lot of times they're not in a place to be able to respond to those more challenging strategies. And so we do need to take a step back and then directly teach them some of those foundational skills. And so that's actually what I recommend for a lot of the SLPs that I mentor in my signature program for SLPs, Language Therapy Advanced Foundations, I recommend that they work on these foundational skills because many times when they present the cases that they're working with, we find that that is the key area that's really causing the, that's really the root cause of the issue. A lot of times the comprehension issues are more of a symptom rather than a cause. So, I do outline a little bit of background on that in episodes 44 and 45, but that's kind of the synopsis. Now, I did mention that sometimes it can be challenging to figure out why a student is struggling or why a child isn't understanding or following along, especially when it comes to language, because sometimes when kids don't understand things, it looks like they are willfully choosing to not do what you ask them to do or like they're just being stubborn but a lot of times it's because they missed something and many times if they've gotten used to that feeling of well I'm not going to understand it anyways then yes you do see some behaviors that might look defiant because they're just shutting down it's it's kind of like well I'm going to fail anyway so why even try so it does get very frustrating for them especially if they're put in a situation where you might think oh, let me work on these skills. Let me just, you know, practice reading to them and asking them questions and, you know, and you're not doing anything else to support some of those foundational skills. A lot of times you're just asking them to do something that's really hard for them without teaching them those skills that are going to actually help them Be able to do that harder task. And so they might start to think less of themselves because they've repeatedly failed. And then if they're getting in trouble because they can't quite articulate where they're not understanding and people are assuming that they're just choosing to not do the work or whatever it is, then that does cause some issues there where they might be punished for something that's really a skill-based issue. So we want to just be mindful of that. And it can be misleading because a lot of times it is really, these, these syntax issues are are pretty sneaky because we, as competent language users, have implicitly learned a lot of these skills. We don't have to think about them directly. A lot of the terms that I'm going to describe in a couple minutes might not be things that you think about directly on a day to day basis because you've just gotten so fluid with using them that You don't have to think about it. You've been able to implicitly learn it. A lot of kids are able to just implicitly learn a lot of these skills and use them without thinking, without a lot of effort, but some kids, especially the ones that are struggling with processing, need things to be a little bit more direct. You might need to even use the specific terms and point out the different parts in the sentence and just take a step back and really look at where they are just missing some of the key information. And like I said, because this comes so easy to you, a lot of times it's not as obvious when it comes to being able to pinpoint something that is difficult for a child. Because again, you might've never struggled with this. So it may not have occurred to you that this is something that a child needs to work on. And that is so common. I mean, that that's something that people do all the time. And again, it's just because, Their brain works a little bit different and it doesn't make sense to us because our brain also works differently than theirs. So definitely no shame. This is very common. This is a common mistake that I made that teachers, SLPs, professionals, parents, everybody makes this mistake. And that's why I'm sharing this information today because it is a commonly overlooked thing because it's not something that appears obvious to us. Now, in episode 44, I mentioned a study by Walter Lobin that was done back in the 70s that really looked at language development across kindergarten through 12th grade. And the reason that I mentioned that was because a lot of times people will say, what's age appropriate? What skills should kids have at what age when it comes to language? And it's difficult because as that study found and and as other studies have found as well, While there are things that we can expect kids to develop over those years, there's not a clear, neat little box that we can say, like, these are the skills that kids should be expected to do at second grade and third grade. And yes, there is a progression of skills and the expectations that we have as far as curricular standards go up. And the standards and the things that we expect of kids kind of impacts the skills that they develop because we're asking them to do certain skills and we're teaching them the skills. So of course, those are going to be the ages that those skills start to develop because that's when we're teaching them. So the reason I'm mentioning this is because the one language skill that did have a linear progression over the K through 12 years was the ability to use subordination. That was the one skill that seemed to be correlated with just overall language abilities. So that is a good benchmark as far as having a skill that you can kind of look at to see, okay, are our kids on track? Is their language developing how it should be? Well, one good skill that we can look at that can be kind of representative of Whether or not they might struggle with other language skills and whether or not they are on track would be the use of subordination. Now, if you're not quite sure what that means, I'm going to explain it in just a second. So yes, this isn't something where there's some standard for each grade level, but I do recommend that people look at that skill because a lot of times when there are these unexplained processing problems or when kids are just not following along, a lot of times one of the key areas that you can look at where you can kind of tell, all right, is this a language processing issue? And this also helps because when you work on this skill, because it's correlated with other language skills, it also has an impact on other language skills as well, because it helps kids to have the structure for sentences. Because think about it, it doesn't really help if you know what words mean, if you're not really sure what to do with them and how to use them in sentences, or if you're reading and you're not really understanding why the sentences are put together the way that they are. You might understand the individual words, but if you don't understand the structure, then you're going to be really confused and reading is not going to be fun, writing is not going to be fun, and then you're not going to do it, which means you're going to practice less, which means that you are going to get behind because you're not doing something as often. So, that's part of where that Matthew effect comes in where it's kind of a the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. But if we work on this skill, we can attempt to diminish that and help kids to get over that hump so that they can be more successful with some of those skills. So before I explain what subordination is, I wanted to go back to the four difficult sentence types that were outlined by Richard Zappoli, and I mentioned these in episode 45 I also mentioned them in the sentence structure guide that is on my website that I mentioned earlier. So these are the sentence types that tend to cause problems for kids with language processing issues. There are also sentences that tend to be difficult for people who are just learning English. So those sentence types are sentences with passive voice. And again, I went over that one in episode 45 the second one is sentences with adverbial clauses and causal or temporal conjunctions. The third would be sentences with relative clauses, and the fourth would be sentences with three or more clauses. So in order to explain what subordination is, I'm going to talk about the second sentence type, which is complex sentences with adverbial clauses, and temporal or causal conjunctions. Now, all of these sentence types that I've mentioned are important, but if you had to pick just one, or if you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed and you don't know where to start, I would recommend starting with this one because, again, as Lobin found, it does have a big impact on overall language abilities, and there is other research that has shown that working on this skill can have an impact on other language skills, as well as just overall comprehension. So it can improve reading comprehension, it can improve listening comprehension, it can also improve writing quality. Because think about it, if you're having a hard time putting your sentences together, you're going to be using really basic sentence types, you might be making some grammatical errors. And then the cognitive load is going to be an issue. You're gonna spend so much time thinking about what sentences to write that you might not think about the big picture of what you're writing, which means that it might be a little bit unorganized. So again, that, that has an impact on just the overall big picture as well. So when we are using subordination, what we're doing is we're using what's known as a subordinate clause To create a complex sentence. So what I'm going to do now is just break down a couple terms that would be necessary to understand if you were to want to understand what subordination is. And again, this is in chapter four of the Ultimate Guide to Sentence Structure. So first, clauses are groups of words with a subject and a predicate. Some can stand alone as sentences while others can't. So for example, an independent clause is a clause that can be a standalone sentence. So for example, saying something like the children ate breakfast or let's go home, those both have a subject and a predicate and they also can stand alone as a sentence. Both of those are independent clauses. Now, technically speaking, in order to be grammatically correct, a subordinate clause, on the other hand, or it's also referred to as a dependent clause, cannot stand alone. It has to be attached to an independent clause in order for it to be a complete sentence. So examples of subordinate clauses would be because it was morning or after we go home. So both of those are clauses. They have a subject and a predicate, but they can't stand alone as an individual sentence. They have to go along with another independent clause. They have to attach to it. So we could say something like, we will eat dinner after we go home. That is a complete sentence. But if we just say, after we go home, That's not a complete sentence. Now, in conversation, we speak in incomplete sentences all the time. But technically speaking, when you're thinking about writing in more formal situations, it is not something that we would use if you're writing an academic paper, for example. And we do have an understanding that There is that rule, we know it's not a complete sentence, and we also know that there are situations where there's flexibility with the rules, which, you know, an example of that would be, it's a conversation, it's informal. We know that we can vary those rules depending on the context. But, technically speaking, they're not complete sentences. Now, a subordinate clause has a subordinate conjunction. It's the word that's kind of connecting the two clauses together and linking them. So in those two examples that I gave, because it was morning has the subordinate conjunction because, and after we go home has the subordinate conjunction after. So when someone is using a subordinate conjunction, they are using the concept of subordination. They're applying that skill. And the reason that this is so powerful in language expression and comprehension is because when we can connect sentences together to create longer ideas and more sophisticated messages, it can help us to understand when we are observing more sophisticated messages, whether it be in oral language, whether it be in written language. And it can also give us a structure that we can use to put our own ideas together. But because this is a skill that is often taken for granted, and also it's just kind of embedded in there, in the sentences, and we don't always think about the function words, that is why this is so easy to miss when we're thinking about What hangups are when it comes to language processing? Now, in order to really understand what subordinate conjunctions are, it's relevant for me to mention both types of conjunctions. So, there's actually two types. There are coordinating conjunctions and subordinate conjunctions. Coordinating conjunctions are what's known as cohesive devices because they connect parts of sentences together, and these can include words like and or but. So coordinating conjunctions can actually connect two independent clauses together. So if you said something like, we went to the store and we ate dinner, well, and just connects those two sentences together. These tend to be a little bit easier to process and use because they're just kind of connecting two different thoughts together. Now subordinate conjunctions are a little bit more advanced And these are conjunctions that explain relationships between the parts of sentences, such as why or when something happened. So the clause is subordinate because it's the less important part of the sentence. The independent clause is the primary message, but there's that subordinate clause that's just kind of giving additional information, again, about why something happened, when something happened, or something like that. So there's always a subordinate conjunction in a complex sentence as part of the subordinate clause, and when you're attaching a subordinate clause to an independent clause, you're using subordination to form a complex sentence. So when I've said before, the research shows that the use of subordination is indicative of other language skills, that's what I mean. This is what we're actually doing when we're using subordination. Temporal and causal conjunctions are types of subordinating conjunctions. Temporal conjunctions are words that connect clauses or words within clauses, and they explain when. So this could include words like before, after, or while. So the additional information that Temporal conjunctions are giving, and again, remember, they're a type of subordinate conjunction, so they're not just connecting sentences, they're also giving some additional information. So for temporal conjunctions, that additional information has to do with time. Causal conjunctions also connect clauses or words And they are a type of subordinate conjunction, but they explain why. So this could include words like because, since, or therefore. So the reason that I'm going into these specific types is just to give you an idea, again, of how subordination works. So remember that sentence type that I'm talking about is complex sentences with adverbial clauses and temporal or causal conjunctions. So I've already talked about what temporal or causal conjunctions are. They're both types of subordinate conjunctions. So this sentence type would involve the use of subordination. And then now I wanted to talk about what an adverbial clause was. So adverbial clauses are just clauses that contain adverbs. So the adverb is the word that is describing how something is done. So for example, if you said we go home soon, or you moved slowly. Soon or slowly would be the adverbs because those explain how something was done. Again, all of this is outlined in writing in the sentence structure guide if this is a lot of information and you want a written version of all of this. But what I wanted to do now is kind of a pop quiz, which is I'm gonna give you a sentence And we'll see if we can pick out all of the different parts. So this is a sentence that has an adverbial clause. It's a complex sentence. It includes subordination, and it also has temporal and causal conjunctions. So the sentence is, since we got ready quickly, we had time to go out to breakfast. I'm going to give you the answers. We want to figure out what's the causal conjunction, what's the subordinate or dependent clause, What's the adverbial clause, and what's the independent clause? So the sentence was, since we got ready quickly, we had time to go out to breakfast. So let's start with the causal conjunction. And actually, let's let's also start with the subordinate or dependent clause. The subordinate dependent clause is since we got ready quickly, and the causal conjunction within that is since. Now, that is also the adverbial clause because, listen again, since we got ready quickly, that contains the adverb quickly. So that's the adverb, that's the adverbial clause. The adverb is quickly. And then the entire clause is since we got ready quickly. So that's actually both the adverbial clause and the subordinate clause. And then the independent clause would just be the rest of the sentence we had time to go out to breakfast. So those are all those parts of that sentence. Now, if you're sitting here thinking that was a lot of work, how on earth am I going to explain that to my child or my student, my client, whatever that may be. So one recommendation that I have for working on this skill is that it's actually pretty powerful to work on this skill and just work on complex sentences. So if you just think about the conjunction, start with the conjunction and see if you can create a sentence with two clauses that uses that subordinate conjunction. And you don't necessarily have to worry about the adverb right away. If you just do a complex sentence with a causal or temporal conjunction, for example, that actually is going to be pretty powerful and you can work the adverbs in later. So that would be my recommendation. If you want to get started right away, that'll still be very effective to work on that skill. Now, also, if you're wondering, okay, how do I actually work on that skill? Well, I recommend that even though there are A handful of exercises that I teach my SLPs that I mentor, that I teach them to do. I did want to just start you off with one today. So where I would recommend you start is with an exercise called sentence combining. This is an evidence-based strategy that has been shown to improve the use of syntax. It also has an impact on comprehension and then overall writing quality. So this is a great place to start if you wanna dip your toes in and start to work on syntax with your students or your kids. And honestly, if you just wanted to do one thing and you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed with this, so for example, if you are wanting to work on language with your own child at home, and you're feeling like there's just not enough hours in the day to get it all in, what you could do is, you know, the the minimum thing that I recommend people do is the 20 minutes a day of reading. And if you can do that on the weekdays and take the weekends off, that is actually pretty good. So that is always the starting point that I recommend for people to be doing at home. And obviously, Again, the gold standard would be you sitting there on the couch, reading with your child, discussing... And yes, audiobooks are fine, but the reason that I always recommend that it be an interactive experience is because if you are sitting there actively with your child, what you can do is you can pay attention to when these types of sentences come up in books. So I challenge you to do that. If you do nothing else, if you don't want to sit down and do some kind of a worksheet thing with your child, you want to just see, can we get into just... Doing regular reading every day, then the challenge I have for you is just be observant. See if you can pick out some of these complex sentences in the books that your kids are reading. And then what you can do is if you're having a conversation with kids about difficult vocabulary words or interesting words that come up, again, I talked a little bit about that and the types of vocabulary that would be good to focus on. I talked about that in episode 44. But if you wanted to add something else in there, what you could do is pay attention to where those complex sentences are. And then when you ask your child a question about what happened, see if you can make the question about something that is described in that sentence, because that's going to make them more aware of that information. And what you can do is, if your child is having a hard time explaining the answer or finding the answer, you can draw their attention back to that sentence and explain the message in the sentence. Again, the reason that kids have a hard time processing sentences like this is because the information in the sentence is not always presented in order. Just like sentences with passive voice where we say things out of order. So for example, the ball was hit by the boy, sometimes they might get confused and flip-flop the meaning of that because they're relying on word order. With complex sentences, that happens as well because a lot of times the order of the events that happen are flipped in the other direction when we have a complex sentence. So for example, if you said something like, before we went to bed, we brushed our teeth and you are asking the child which one happened first. Well, you mentioned going to bed first, even though that was a thing that happened second. What we have to do when we're processing complex sentences is remember one piece of information and then flip it in our minds when we hear the other part of the message. A lot of times kids can only remember one thing at a time. So giving them practice with this skill and even just pointing out that the events in the sentence happened in a different order and that you have to pay attention to the words because they're giving you more information, that can be pretty powerful. So, and the first step to... Being able to draw your child's attention to the more difficult vocabulary or the more difficult sentence types is having an awareness of that yourself, especially if you can get to the point where you can figure out exactly where the child is not making the connection because we have to do that before we can even figure out how to help. We're going to wrap up here, but thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this useful. Again, if you want the complete ultimate guide to sentence structure that outlined this information that I covered today, it also outlines the other three sentence types that tend to be difficult for children who have language processing issues, as well as that sentence combining strategy that you can do to actually work on some of these skills, then definitely go and check out this guide. All you need to do is go to drcarenspeech.com, and you'll be able to download download it. Again, that's drkarenspeech.com. As I've said before, I've designed this with speech pathologists in mind, but I have definitely had teachers and parents benefit from it as well. So feel free to share it with your colleagues or anyone else that you think would benefit from this information. Again, that's drkarenspeech.com. So thank you so much for listening. Again, remember it helps us so much if you leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening and I will see you in episode 47.